Hello and welcome to the ET PhD team podcast, the podcast here to help you with your relationship with food and body by giving you evidence-based techniques to support yourself with a sprinkling of feminism, a dash of dismantling diet culture and a side of vulnerability as we share our own messy lives with you. I'm Emilia, a registered nutritionist and PhD with the sole purpose of making your life happier and healthier. If you love it, please do go wild and share it. And if you're ready for support with our coaching, details are in the show notes. Hello and welcome to episode number 199 of the ETPHD team podcast with myself, Anne Lynn. Hi Lynn, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm great, thank you. And Anna, how are you? I am swell, thank you. How are you? Yeah, I know as well, yeah. <laughs> what, what a day, what a day. Well, I woke up this morning having forgotten that we now film these podcasts and um, my hair is so bad. I was like, I'll just put it into plaits, but because it was curly, it doesn't really go into plaits properly. It just kind of turns into some sort of like mullet, like frizzy mullet vibe. So it's a good time. Anyway. Authentic, authentic, that's. Yeah, let's go with that. Not that we ever apologise for the way that we show up in the world. Never do that um any topics to cover before we start i'm just gonna throw it out there i started my dogs and doggy daycare and it's going brilliantly yes <laughs> i was getting updates yesterday it was fantastic made oh. my morning <laughs> so what's it what's the deal do they is it like training and stuff or do they just go out and hang out like you would uh, like you would at a nursery <laughs> yeah no but well it's now let's not anger nursery teachers they are educational I know I was absolutely kidding um, no um they it's basically this like three acres worth of land loads of other dogs there and they just go and like socialize and have fun but my dogs are very much like pandemic puppies so uh, which is actually a thing the woman told me so I'm like okay cool uh, I thought it was just me like you know saying they're they're pandemic puppies but they are they're they're not great with socializing so I had to bring them up for like an assessment they're just like in this place but they have like it's so cute they have like a plastic toy house and slides and balls and there's an indoor room they can go in and chill in when they get tired like it's incredible um but they went up and they have an instagram page so they like live update photos the whole time so i was literally screenshotting them and sending them to anna being like oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> like loki they don't miss me they're having a great time look at their smiles <laughs> um so yeah they go there then for like a day or however long you want them to be there a day or two days a week three days a week um but like their hours are like proper nursery hours 7 a.m to 6 p.m and I was like oh god no I wouldn't be putting them in that long now that's way too long without me you know maybe we could do half days um but no they love it they absolutely love it so it's great wow. Touch wood. Keeps going. Is, is this in preparation for baby or is this just because you want some silent time when you're trying to do a podcast and um, it's a mixture of like three they're very attached to me and since I got pregnant they're both getting very protective over me which is kind of resulting in the two of them being a bit like off with each other you know like I'm sitting beside her no I am you, know, you move no you move kind of thing and it's ridiculous um but I'm with them all day so like I feed them I walk them I do everything so they need and I need a bit of breathing space <laughs> um but also the more pregnant I'm getting the harder it is to walk them the way I normally would so I'm thinking like if they have two days out of the house they're gonna burn off some energy, see other people, see other dogs. But then like when the baby does come, they'll still have their two days of them time. And the woman agreed. She was like, no, they need this because no matter what you do to prepare them, like their noses are going to be put out when a baby comes home. So, you know, you can do all the tricks in the trade, but they're still going to be a bit miffed. 
So at least they'll have like their space away from the annoying baby when it arrives in the house. And I was like, yeah, I'm doing them a favor here. Um, I have serious dog guilt over bringing a baby into the house. Like it's it's caused many meltdowns over the last couple of weeks. I'm like, I'm ruining their lives. <laughs> uh, that to me is so foreign to me because I've never had a dog. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm just like, I hear you, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's it's a wild one but yeah it's going great so fingers crossed and I have them booked in for Thursdays for when we normally record the pods so I'm going to be like can I have them in on a Thursday every week please um because well this is a great time because they've been walked so they will not interrupt this podcast fingers crossed it would um but Thursdays they just I don't know it's like full moon Thursdays in our house we'll see we've got an hour um <laughs> okay let's get cracking on the questions uh Anna do you want to go first uh yes were slash are there times where you have felt or feel your mind will always be occupied by food and body thoughts how often do you have poor body poor body image days I seem to feel this so often kind of two in one sorry I didn't realize what was the first part of that question were slash are there times where you have felt or feel your mind will always be occupied by food and body thoughts? Okay. Um, I think the first part of that question, for sure, I think like years and years and years ago in the depths of disordered eating, I would have probably thought this is just who I am. And that's so common when you're struggling with disordered eating or poor body image to think, well, this is just how I am. I'm always going to have struggles with food or I'm always going to focus on trying to be as small as I can and especially if you've struggled with it for quite a while maybe from your teenage years into your 20s and then onwards it can feel like you've never really known yourself as someone who doesn't have those disordered eating habits so then of course it's quite normal to feel like this is just who I am the problem with that is when you identify with these things it becomes a lot harder to change them because then you feel like you're losing your identity as you start to change your habits and so sometimes that can cause a bit of resistance so for sure I think that that can happen um I'll do you guys want to touch on that before we go into the second part of the question because I feel like they're kind of different yeah something I actually was talking to one of my clients about yesterday because she said the same but not as in the like always trying to control what your body looks like in terms of being preoccupied with food and body thoughts but she was saying that in the early stages of recovering her relationship with food and working on that, she felt she was nearly going the other way, like trying to be perfect with it. So like trying to make sure she was including everything, trying to make sure everything was a health focused, you know, like choice that she was making. And I swear that kind of is part of it too, because you're letting go of old rules, but also trying to include that kind of freedom and inclusivity of everything. And um, so it is, it can kind of go both ways. So you go from being one end of the spectrum where you're like so consumed with what you're eating, what your body looks like to them being like, okay, I'm trying to let go of these thoughts, but I also want to make health focused choices. And I want to do the right thing that you can become a bit more of like a perfectionist in that area. And it's about trying to find the middle ground where it's like, you know, take five minutes to plan a meal. What do you fancy? What will satisfy your taste buds? What will satisfy your cravings? And what will honor your health? Make your choice, move on from it and let it go. Um, and it's just kind of getting there but it can swing both ways initially which is which could be where this person's coming from mm, that's such a good point I was talking to someone earlier this week because we're working on like beginning to change and challenge those negative thoughts about a body but what she'd struggled with 
was you know like when we uh are working with people that are overeating and we're like become aware of like the urge and that's when you pause and it was the same like I think because the and I know so many people will relate in like because that inner dialogue has just been so constant that half the time you're not even aware of it so it's just catching yourself which again can almost feel as though you're becoming more preoccupied by having to notice these thoughts but that awareness is the first step and then we work to change it. Mm. What was the second part of that question, Soriana? How often do you have poor body image days? I seem to feel this is so often. I think the thing is, I don't. I think the phrase "poor body image days" is is probably not like what I would call it because you can have a positive body image and still have days where you don't love the way that your body looks. And that doesn't mean that you have negative body image or body image dissatisfaction. It just means that you're a human being and a positive body image is actually accepting that those days that you do feel like you don't love the way that you look or feel in your body, that you still continue to treat her well or them well. You still continue to live your life and you don't let it impact the other parts of your life. That's what we call body image flexibility. And that's actually really important having days where you don't love the way you look is not is not negative body image or less positive body image right so that's one thing I think personally for me I'll probably especially during PMS like generally I don't love the way that I look in terms of my body probably a couple of days during PMS but I don't really think about it often like I, I don't know I think everyone's different and it, and I think it's important also to not compare I, I know that people are interested in the way that we do things but it's important not to compare to what I feel or what Lynn feels or Anna feels because we're all all three of us are at different stages in our relationship with food and in relationship with bodies and there's not an end point so it's not like we've all reached this like like the end of the marathon where we've all just ticked off and it's like right we've all done this relationship with food work now now everything looks exactly the same we all eat in the same way we all like never emotionally eat we all love the way that we look all the time like that's actually not what happens in improving your relationship with food and your body is it's something that you're always working on and it's not in a negative way I don't mean like it's always going to consume you but there'll always be things where I think oh I could treat my body better in this way or that's an interesting thing that I've learned about nutrition I'm going to try and include that within my within my the way that I eat there's always things that you can focus on or maybe drop your mindfulness for a little bit so you have to come back to that um so I, I don't think it's necessarily helpful to compare but I'd, I'd say probably a couple of times in a month I'd be like oh I feel a bit bloated today or something but I, I, the, the key is just not I don't spend time looking at my body in the mirror hardly ever to be quite honest um the only time I really see my body in the mirror is if I'm at the gym and even then I'm trying to focus on my form most of the time. Yeah, yeah, com- completely agree. And I think that's something that I will always try to reiterate to clients is that it's not to say that you're not going to have a day where you don't feel 100% comfortable in your body, but rather it's about having the tools you need to support you through it. So you can just go, okay, today's one of those days. That's that. Let's carry on with the rest of my day yeah pick the lemons rather than the really tight old gym clothes that you used to wear that ram up your butt for example um okay lynn question 
Uh, one from Georgia's client. Is it okay to limit yourself a bit? Like I'm going to stay away from sweets, desserts, bakery, soda, alcohol, and fast food as much as possible. Not setting any strict boundaries, but have it as a guideline in your everyday life. It seems to help me sometimes to pick food that makes me feel good, not just in the moment. Sweet. So we're all thinking about this because I think we all probably think the same thing. Yes and no. In the sense of what you will find if you take an inclusive approach to your nutrition is I'm going to focus on eating lots of healthful foods, nutrient-dense foods, um, fruits, vegetables, whole grains, water, um, polyunsaturated fats, fiber, prebiotics, all of these foods. What you'll find is if you're focusing on those foods and consuming sufficient amounts of those foods, and those will probably lead to you feeling better, like you're saying, you will naturally, as a byproduct, reduce the intake that you have of ultra-processed foods or highly palatable foods, um, some of the ones that you're explaining there. That is the way that I would frame it, and that's a helpful way to frame it, as opposed to, I'm going to cut out all of these foods, which there's a lot on that list. I'm going to cut out all of these foods because it makes me feel better. Think about, I'm going to actively include all of these foods because it makes me feel better. And as a result of that, those things will probably reduce, but you don't have that restrictive mindset because when you have that restrictive mindset of I'm not going to have these things, then you're much more likely to actually crave those things. And then when you do have them, feel guilty about having them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, I know I know we've, we've said this a lot, like in asking yourself, what's the most nourishing thing? But I think if you are picking those sorts of foods then how can you make it how can it include more nourishment do you add like some fruit or yogurt with it or something like that so you're still getting all the benefits from the the whole foods and the foods that make you feel better um without the potential rules around them okay george's question i wanted to ask since I have the contraceptive implant, is this damaging that I don't ovulate and that I can't track my natural cycle? I've heard such mixed messaging about this from doctors. Uh, no, I, I, I really dislike the narrative of contraceptive being damaging. I really, the evidence is not there to suggest that. There was a reel recently that I commented on from this guy who claims to have an association with the university in Vienna and he doesn't. As far as I know, I think he's a charlatan. And he had something like 50,000 views on this, or 50,000, not 50,000 views, 50,000 likes on this post, which means he would have had millions of views. Um, And he said, it's a uh, certain types of oral contraceptive are carcinogen and increases your risk of cancer, etc. Which the research doesn't support. There are potentially, like there are associations with between oral contraceptive and higher risk of certain cancers, but there's also associations between oral contraceptive and lower risk of lower risk of certain cancers too. Um, and often, I don't, I, I really don't love the scaremongering around contraception at the moment, especially when we live in a world where abortion rights are being taken away left, right, and center. I think it's disgusting actually, um, because it's hard to navigate what's what's correct and what's not. So there's no damage done to your body by not ovulating. Um, so in answer to your question, no. Um, and there's no, 
when we look at associations of like the contraceptive health and uh, contraceptive implant in terms of health outcomes i'm not i'm not up to speed on all of the specific outcomes with this but i do know that it's not associated with a blanket increase in risk in um negative health outcomes and on the flip side potentially could be associated with more positive health outcomes so um no uh, interesting that you've had mixed messages about this from doctors that's quite tough because I always say in these situations speak to a medical professional like I'm not a medical professional none of us are we don't know about the ins and outs of contraception and to that degree um but it's interesting that you've had mixed messages about that. I would just keep asking multiple doctors if you can until you get a consensus on what you feel most comfortable with. And, rem and remember why you've got it. You know, like, if you don't want to have babies, you don't have to have the contraceptive implant, for sure. But you've you've got it for a reason. Is it me? Yep. So a client is working in Malaysia for six or eight weeks, um, just gone out there and she's asked, what can I do when I'm really not inspired by food? I think it's kind of overload of the same sorts of foods. She has access to cooking, um, but says the supermarkets are really quite limited to how she'd prefer to eat as if she were at home. Uh, um, it's it's kind of tough because what I'm about to say sounds a bit rubbish. But if you're not, if this is, is it a temporary thing, the travel. Yeah, yeah, it's just just for another six weeks, I think. Now, what's great is that you feel inspired by food when you're at home. Like that's amazing, and a lot of people would long to have that those feelings of just especially if you're british like british food so that's great um maybe you're just not going to be inspired by food for a few weeks eat to nourish yourself and find a few things that you that you don't mind i think when i was in thailand i didn't when when i was in thailand i didn't love like the food i know that's not where you are but i didn't love the food there were a few things that i quite liked and i focused on them um and i just ate enough to to kind of fuel me and to get me through and and I would just have the things that you enjoy. Let go of any sort of rules in your head of, well, I should still be eating pro protein, for example. So if you're a vegetarian, I know back in the day when I went to Thailand, I was vegetarian, it was really hard to eat. Apart from tofu, obviously that was everywhere. But I knew that I was never getting enough protein, but it was like, well, that's fine. I don't love the protein sources, so I'm not going to have them. Trying to not focus on like these strict rules or guidelines that you have for yourself and and just accept that you might not be inspired buy food for a while and that's absolutely okay i don't think it has to be too much of a big deal agreed len question um any ideas for high protein balanced breakfasts that can be made in advance uh, in advance and taken to work overnight oats <laughs> i'm just straight in there with that like that's for me the best thing or just like I, I was one of those that like my oats are my favorite thing um but when I worked in the freezing cold gym then it was I'd take them in the little like my protein do some great little stacking things like tiny Tupperware things and I'd just take my oats and my protein and some berries in three and look like, like a weirdo but yeah that that's yeah. what I did I used to do that too same thing <laughs> good times um boiled eggs boil them the day before just 
no? Why are you feeling that face? Yeah, big, big fan in the office if that's the environment that you're working in. I don't care about stuff yeah, like that. Boiled eggs. Mm. I don't care about stuff like that. Once I set the fire alarm off in my PhD office because I put the chocolate, I put I put dark chocolate in the microwave in like a protein scoop, and if you melt it and then you melt it a little bit too far, it turns to brownie. And it was when I was on prep, so it was like the highlight of my day. And I would turn a little bit to brownie and I put it on top of like my protein cake thing. Good times. And um, I'd left it too far and it caught fire. And then the um, PhD office just like fell the smoke. It was like open plan. The whole kitchen fell the smoke and all the alarms went off. And I was like, so that's just me with my weird issues with food. Um, So I don't care about stuff like that. But yeah, I would have eggs or make a, or like make an omelette or something or have a protein shake and bring a bagel that you can toast at work or you don't have to toast it. Um, but like just have, have a protein shake and or like a fruit salad or a Greek yogurt with, again, you can make a fruit salad and you can just top it at work with chocolate and nuts and seeds. If you don't want to stink the office, you could make like little egg muffins. Um, yes. <laughs> you, them. you know, it's you're still getting eggs, but not stinking the office. Um, and we're coming into summer. I love smoothies, like loads of fresh fruit, add your protein, add whatever kind of liquid source you want. And okay, it might like separate a tiny bit, but like just mix it up with a big spoon and it goes back to normal. Um, and if you make it a, with a little less water, it's more thick. So it kind of, it feels like more like a, this is going to sound really weird, but like a meatier meal, if that makes sense. Like it's not just pure liquid. There's a bit more consistency to it, um, which is quite nice as well. Mm. Did I tell you about that chocolate chip, mint chocolate chip smoothie that I had in Austin before I left? I must have said it on the podcast before. So Anna Shake and Lynn, you obviously didn't hear about it. It was just one of the best movies I've ever had in my entire life. It was like kale. No, it was like spinach and apple. And I don't know, but it was green and it tasted like mint chocolate chip. It had chocolate chips and peanut butter in it and then topped with like chocolate chips and a sprig of mint. Oh, if I could recreate that at home, I'd be, I'm going to try actually. Do you know what? I have a theory though. When we try and make smoothies at home, and then you buy a smoothie out and the difference is huge. And I think it's because when we make them at home, we're always so frugal with the fat sources. We're always so frugal with how much like we'll put in like water instead of milk or we'll put in a teaspoon of peanut butter rather than like a heaped teaspoon of peanut butter and like little things like that. I definitely think it's a diet culture thing ingrained in us that when we make smoothies at home and and stuff, even though we think, oh, we'll put all of this stuff in it, we definitely overdo the fruits and vegetables and underdo the fat sources or the or the, the dates or something like that. So it's never quite the same. And it's like, if we just made them according to what they're supposed to be, it'd be infinitely better. That's something I've learned from my own. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Um, Steph's question. Any convenient, tasty, satisfying snacks you would recommend? Weird. Uh, also, if I am stuck at work late, is there a quick snack you would recommend I can keep in my locker that I could eat to avoid hunting down the snacks, i.e. packet noodles, tubs of oats, etc.? So I guess some of these will be the same from the last question. Uh, the new Oreo protein bars. My God. They are... <laughs> where They've come from heaven. I bought some... I'm gonna. I'm so looking forward to trying it. It's, oh, oh my they're on another level. Like they're I've, and I'm so picky with protein bars. Always have been. Never like the original. Remember, like the Quest ones from like years ago that you could don't, the protein don't. powder. No, I'm sorry, Anna. Some of them were disgusting. Um, <laughs> and like, this one is like like over here. I don't know. Do you get full fill bars? Yeah. 
Yeah, okay. So so Phil will be like my favorite. I love them. Um grenade, the white chocolate salted caramel peanut something one. The white chocolate one was my like top tier. But then you know when you have something too much that you're like, oh, I don't know, I need a break from it. But then the Oreo one came out and it has just knocked every other bar. Like it, it doesn't come close to any other protein bar. It is insane. And I don't eat them that often. So like when I do have one, it literally feels like I'm having a, like an Oreo dessert. Like it is incredible. So I would highly recommend getting some of them. Um, like protein bars are a great, a great snack to have if you want to get a bit of protein as well. And they can be quite filling. Um, mm -hmm. Baby Bell's. Oh, they're a firm favourite at the moment. Love a baby bell. Mm -hmm. um, I, yeah, I just bought them actually. We're doing some filming in the next couple of days for the um, training content side of things for our clients. And uh, I was looking at snacks and I got the baby bells. Baby bells are great. But like baby bell lights is something like five grams of protein for one baby bell. It's wild. It's yeah, great. so good. Yeah. I mean, in a locker, yeah, you could have baby bells in a locker probably. Maybe not in the peak of summer. Um. Um, serene, obviously. That yeah, was... but serene's not that. I love it. I've also got that for filming. I love it, but I don't think it's very satisfying. No, the slices with the butter. Oh, they're great. Yeah, they yeah. are fantastic. Yeah. Um, what else, <laughs> what else can you keep in your? I what do I have in my stack cupboard? I'm really into nuts and seeds and stuff at the moment. I find them delicious. Um, which I think is. Yeah, they're, again, they're not hugely satisfying unless you top them with something else. Um, the problem is it's like protein sources that don't need to be kept in the fridge are quite limited. Popcorn's mm. a great snack. You know, like the bags of like Manhattan, Manhattan popcorn. Like they're quite, there's quite a lot of eating involved in them. So it's not gone as quickly. So therefore you're kind of getting more satisfied as reading it. I find popcorn a great snack. Mm. Or fruit. You don't need to keep fruit in the fridge. I would definitely... Like if you have a in, in, in your locker, baby bells, fruit, saurine, nuts and seeds, like it doesn't have to, a couple of protein bars, bars, it doesn't have to be like, okay, this is a clear, this is what I'm going to have. If you've got 10 minutes or five minutes and you need a quick snack, then just go in and have those, have those things. Um, it does sound like you have a kettle because you said packet noodles and tubs of oats. So you probably have a microwave maybe? You have a microwave. I get kind of. I mean, if you have a microwave, then oats is kind of the go-to, right? Yeah, yeah, most definitely. <laughs> yeah, cover all bases or bagels, and you can put bagels in the microwave, which is questionable, but it's better than cold cold bagels. Like in the states, they often will eat bagels and they don't they don't toast them or heat them up, which I find quite odd. Savage, <laughs> isn't it savage? But but then why is it different to to eating bread cold? A bagel is chunkier though. It's the consistency of it and it's so doughy and especially American bagels. Like we can get some that aren't as doughy, but I find the American bagels are so doughy that they kind of nearly need to be warmed up so that you're not just chewing dough for 20 minutes and like struggling to digest it. I think that's why it's more of a, an issue where they're warm. It's like, it's easier. Yeah. Oh, yum. Oh, I'd eat that right now. <laughs> just had breakfast but i'd take a doy bagel do you know what as well i've got i got these really new incense really new new incense sticks from this place in liverpool and they are really girthy and really long and wait, just how we like wait, them girthy or earthy girthy and girthy. Long. Okay. Okay. i was like i don't know i don't know what i heard that 
they they let they are so strong that my eyes right now are starting to water and I feel like I can't breathe in through my nose or it's going to burn my lungs it's, it's a good time so if my starts my eye starts streaming it's because I've burnt my eyeballs off with incense <laughs> but I do find incense when I have meetings and podcasts and stuff very grounding and calming it's mm-hmm. got a, a incense and a wee blanket or actually I've also got fleecy trousers on like these types of soothing when you're when you're working at home it's such a cheap thrill I got a, a, I don't know how to pronounce it, neom. Neom, neom. Yeah. I got a neom as a gift with happy incense or like incense to promote happy vibes or something. And it was such a thoughtful gift. It has become my new favorite thing. Like before yeah. I don't want to do anything, I'm like, turn you on. It's a little wellness pot. Um, it's like, it's incredible. But I only noticed at the weekend in my Pilates studio, they have the exact same ones all dotted around that are turned on. I was like, no wonder I'm reacting so positively to this. I've experienced <laughs> this before. And it is really calming. It's lovely. And I would never be a, an essential oils kind of person, but now I'm uh, the, I have to say, so I got a neom on a couple of birthdays ago. And I'm I'm the same then. I'm not big on like aromatherapy, essential oil, but like the neom scents, I don't know how they mix it. It's a bit like I'd say like um like the Joe Malone like diffusers yes. in that whatever they put in it, it just works. It's great. <laughs> okay. So is that an, like, a, does it come like an essential oil that you put in the diffuser? Would yeah, you like me yeah, to show you? The right diffusers. You can if you want. I've got an oil diffuser, you see, and I use essential oils, but if um, there's a specific type of it, then I can get so it. So it's literally, you pop the button, but you can put, and it comes out, you can put any oil into it so like that's obviously the neon one but you can it's the same standard bottles you can put any oil into it which is quite handy because if you're not like I don't know where I would get no, uh, that neon stuff here I think one place does it but not much so I'd have to buy it in from the UK but like I can put any essential oils in now that I like and Bob's your uncle you're like an Avon an Avon person <laughs> and here it's multifunctional My QVC channel <laughs> Okay, I'm going to get some of their their oil and put it into my own one and see if it if it's as good as you say. So thanks for that. But but it is like it is useful to think about like especially if you're in a high stress job or you're someone who gets who stress eats or boredom meets when you're working at home. Like these little things are so soothing and can really help regulate your nervous system when you're especially if you've got a really busy day like today. I've just got I've got I think I've got four or five hours of just back to back calls and it's like and I need to make sure that I'm present for every single thing that I'm doing and so little soothing things like that hot drinks good smells good like soft things on your skin um you can't exactly have music on um but all things like they're very helpful uh okay Anna go for it any business related podcasts you can recommend so this client is not a coach or working in the fitness industry I like Grace Beverly's Working Hard, Hardly Working. I think that's a fab podcast. I also like Adam Grant's podcast, um, Rethinking and Work Life. I like both of those. And I think, you know the top ones I can think off the top of my head? Um... If you go on to though, like if you go onto Apple Podcasts and you search for um top charts and then you go into like business. Is there one for business? Yep. Business. Let's see what comes up. Diary of a CEO. Understand the economy. 
some of these big fish i've not listened to that yet spencer matthews but i feel like that's probably going to be on my list that's probably going to be something i listen to because you know i definitely do love a white man with a podcast um but there'll, there'll be there'll be someone there that you can look through and see who you relate to there's grace beverly number 18 um any of you guys listen to I, I promote this podcast all the time, but I love the um the high performance podcast. And I know they interview like sports people and people around sports. But when you think about it, like most sports teams are running a, like a, a business. It is a business. And a lot of the people they talk to are telling you how they deal with people and become successful in their business and what is high performance to them. And I, I like I really enjoy that one. But just on the Grace Beverly one that your client Anna might benefit from, her latest episode is all about kind of like CEO financial it's very like business based um, and I've seen a couple of people like really recommend that latest episode so she might really enjoy that one mm. another one I... was the word sorry corporate sorry. based was the word I was thinking they're all kind of business based yeah no <laughs> um another one that I love that I forgot was just the TED business one TED mm. TED podcast is quite good because you can I like it because it's challenges you think about just different things that are nothing to do with what you care about but actually sometimes when you listen to different things it makes you think about your stuff in a new way which I think is really great for like creativity and stuff so I also recommend that um okay uh Lynn question uh from Steph my friends have mentioned they can help me with my journey is there anything you can recommend that they can help with oh that's nice I'm just trying to think what I would have because at, at the time that I was struggling I never talked to people about it but I'm just trying to think what I might have liked I think creating a space where you can talk about things which you clearly already got which is just fantastic it shows that what great friends you have and what obviously what a great friend you are um so just allowing the space to talk about it and and offering it and saying like do you want to chat about anything or like how are things going if you if you're if you want to have that conversation then they can say things like how are things going with your health stuff now and just opening that question up like that and you being able to say I don't really want to talk about it or do you want to talk about it great just have that conversation and they're not there to change anything or to or to give any feedback particularly it's just like they might want to learn and it's just about you, it, that allows you to get more comfortable with expressing your feelings, talking about these things. And you never know, like they might learn something from some of the work that you're doing, which is which would be great. Um, I also think maybe thinking about how you plan your activities and stuff. So if you've always had food and drinks, is this something that you maybe want to incorporate more of or less of? Or could they look at the way that they speak about things and could they maybe agree not to talk about bodies and um food when you're all hanging out and that you have a bit of a um a group decision where you say like we're going to talk about more interesting things rather than diets and stuff like that maybe you could do something like that um i think i'm out of ideas i completely echo all of that i think the only thing I would add, and this isn't even with all my friends, but maybe just, again, on the same kind of um, trail of thought in, like, can we do activities that aren't maybe solely centred around 
exercise because I, I had one friend that would always go out for walks or would go to the gym or would be doing this and actually sometimes it's just nice to chill mm. yeah okay George's question I realize that I'm my worst critic the person who demands the highest excellence from myself the least tolerant of any mistakes I make on one side this is important to me one of my values is to show up and do my best how do I balance this value without turning it into a stick to beat myself up for not being perfect I mean I don't think any of us can relate no (laughs) definitely not I think like reminding yourself every day that good enough is good enough. Like we all want to be the best of what we're doing and do our best in everything that, that we show up for and everything that we do. And of course, everyone wants everything that they do to be successful, but accepting that it's not going to be. And we don't learn from always being perfect. Like if everything you ever do always turns out the way you want it to and the way you plan for it to, you're not learning anything. So embracing the fact that, okay, this didn't really go well. I wasn't the best version of myself. Instead of beating yourself up, come at it from another angle and be like, okay, what can I learn from this? Like, did something happen in the lead up to this? Was I ridiculously hungry, over-caffeinated? Was I stressed out over something? Did something else have a knock-on effect that, you know, made me show up differently? Or was I just in bad form that day? Was it just not my day? You don't have to beat yourself up, but you can still be critical of, how you showed up um, because that is something you you do have control over um, and obviously we don't want to have control over absolutely everything but you do control how you show up to certain situations so as we were just talking about like for like meetings and podcasts and having a really busy day you want to show up the best you can but like by the end of the day Amelia might be a little bit tired like she can't really control that because her day is so busy and her calendar is so jam-packed yet um, but you know there are certain things that you can do to ensure that you're showing up as best as you can but again you can also control how you speak to yourself and how you reframe and how you reflect on these things. And if you're choosing to beat yourself up with a stick, that is within your power and your control to kind of reframe it and be like, you know what? I'm not going to beat myself up over this. It wasn't my day, but I am going to make sure that the next time I have a big meeting or whatever it might be that I do show up better and I set myself up better for how I show up. That was a nice sweet dose of balance of fierce and soft compassion there. It's what that. I do best, guys. It's what I do best. You do. You do. <laughs> Constantly attacked. Um, <laughs> I think, much like failure, I think we really need to get better at reframing our relationship with perfect. Perfect's not a good thing. Perfect's not a good thing. When, I, okay, you guys might have. When have you ever fallen in love with a perfect person? When have you ever loved like a perfect piece of nature that was just like pristine you don't love perfect you 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 might love someone bakes you a cake it's never perfect unless it's lucy lord like you don't love perfection unless it's lucy lord like you don't that's not it's not something that we are looking for as human beings we connect to people who are imperfect because our imperfectness meets their imperfectness and we see each other and that's what leads to connection. And, and I'm talking about like, you know, fall in love, but it's the same with, same with work. No offense guys. But when I first met you two, I didn't think you were perfect human beings, but the, (laughs) except you, (laughs) but the imperfect in me stays the imperfect in you. And it's one of the things that I, I love about working with our team is that 
we're all great at some stuff and crappy at other stuff and that's totally fine and so I think really recognizing that perfectionism is not it's not admirable anymore and and I actually had this thought yesterday because I was listening to a podcast about perfectionism yesterday and I thought if someone said to me if I had a job interview with someone and I said to them like you know what's your biggest flaw and they said I'm a perfectionist and you know how they used to say you used to say that as like a oh, just make sure everything is perfect I genuinely would that find that a turn off now because I, I it's because we know what we know from perfectionism is that it stifles change it stops you from taking risks it stops you from doing work because you're scared that things are not going to be perfect so you don't do any of it and you just quote unquote fail but you don't you don't push yourself in that um and you don't learn anything like you said Lynn because you're too scared to take any risks and you don't put anything out there that could potentially give you a lesson because it has to be like a certain way the other thing to remember is that perfectionism is a perception and what it may be perfect to me say Lynn was trying to be a perfect coach right and she put together you know this I don't know a program for a client and she's like this is absolutely perfect I could look at that and be like, oh, I'm not sure if that, I, I, I think it's good, but I, I don't, I wouldn't maybe say it's a hundred out of hundred. And I could look at it and be like, oh my God, I've never seen anything like this. This is infinitely better than anything I could have imagined. And then with Lynn, she's like, yeah, I think this is pretty perfect because it's a perception. So if you're constantly trying to achieve something that you say is perfect, it's like, it doesn't exist. You're never going to achieve it. So I think really collectively, we need to get much better at not glorifying perfection in, in anything because it's not a good thing um and I say that as a recovering perfectionist so this is not a criticism you know where it stems from perfectionism stems from this need this kind of inherent feeling of not being worthy as we are so we think if we do things perfectly then we'll feel worthy enough it's not a choice that you're making to be like oh I'm a perfectionist um obviously it, it has come from something and I totally recognize that and we all have to so many of us have had to fight that and challenge that narrative so you're certainly not on your own but the other thing is to beating yourself with a stick is going to make things infinitely worse and people think that being kind to themselves and showing themselves compassion stif- um, stops them from going for things and stops them from high achieving but we know high achievers are more likely to show themselves self-compassion we know that self-compassion is associated with improvements in like learning and if you have like a setback you're much more likely to then try again and do things differently and better because you're showing yourself compassion so it's just more about challenging the narratives of what you think perfectionism and self-compassion is agreed okay i think we're going to leave it there thank you so much for all your questions keep them coming in thank you both so much thank you Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. And as always, if you did, please do feel free to like, share, subscribe and review. And if you would like to chat to me, then you can find details of my Instagram in the show notes.